If you have your Bible this morning, last week, Sunday morning, I preached on the Great Compromise. And this morning, I want to speak from the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 31. And I'm going to speak on the Great Return, the Great Return. And I just pray you'll bear with me this morning again. There's just a lot of parallels that we'll see this morning in Scripture, those parallels uh, that run between the pre-Babylonian captivity that's found in the Old Testament and also the pre-rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. There's a parallel that works that we see and we can draw from the old and understand what's happening in the days in which we're living. I want to go a little bit further into what was happening uh, during this time in Israel, just before the Babylonian captivity. What particularly was happening amongst God's people and you'll see a very a similar pattern in what has taken place today, uh, particularly in the age that we've come to. And if you just bear with me this morning, just as we work through some things, this leads us somewhere. This, this world might seem as though it's out of control, but God's got a sovereign purpose and plan that's unfolding. We, we must know that, that. You know, we pray for our leaders. I wouldn't like to be in... Some of their, I would not like to be in their shoes with everything that's being bombarded and sent their way. We have to pray for them. We know it's not the leaders in themselves. It's, a, it's something behind all of that that is working and moving us towards into these last days. We've certainly entered into the beginning of sorrows. It's a time, a period of time on the earth where there's great pangs, great turmoil. And we're certainly right into that period that has already begun. It's begun some years ago, I believe. And now we're in the midst of the unfolding events that has been prophesied in Scripture. But the Church of Jesus Christ has been prayed, I think, truth prayed it this morning. We are different to this world. We are the light of the world. We are the salt. And we have a voice. Our voice is to be different from the mainstream of what has taken place all around us. People are living in fear. They don't know where to turn. They don't know who to turn to. And we see the confusion. But there's a voice in the midst of all of that that's different. And that's the voice that God has placed within the church. That's not someone who stands on a platform on a Sunday morning per se. That's a collective voice where we are. We are that salt and we are that light. And we are to bring forth that hope in this world. That only hope is Jesus. So Jeremiah chapter 31. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Jeremiah chapter 31. And we're going to read verse 10 through to verse 14. Jeremiah 31 and verse 10. <clears throat> Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations, and declare it in the eyes of far off, and say, He that scattereth Israel will gather him, and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion and shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and for wine and for oil and for the young of the flock and of the herd. And their souls shall be as a watered garden and they shall not sorrow any more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance both young men and old together. For I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. And I will satiate the soul of the priest with fatness and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. Father, this morning, 
We pray that you would help us as we turn to your word, that you would anoint us, that you would speak to us. Lord, we ask, as we always ask, give us ears what the Spirit is saying to the church at this time. We need to hear from you, O God. Father, we pray wherever your word is proclaimed, across this land this morning, across these nations. Would you breathe upon the pages? Lord, would you awaken your bride? Would you awaken us, Lord? And Lord, would you pour out your spirit, Lord, in these last days, Lord? Oh, Father, we pray that your name would be lifted up in this nation. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have opened the door for the church. Lord, in these days to remain opened. Lord, we believe it's a sovereign act of God. We thank you for those politicians that have stood. And Lord, we pray that you would bless them and strengthen them. Lord, as they, O God, have stood, that the place and the house of God should remain open. Lord, we pray that you'd cover them and protect them, Lord, from every wile and every work of the evil one. Lord, I pray that their voice would be heard, that you, Lord, Lord, that you would be their portion and strengthen them, O God. Father, we pray, Lord, Lord, as the place, the house of God remains open, Lord, that there be a, an outpouring of your Spirit, Lord, even as we're looking into a lockdown in this world, Lord, we're praying that you pour out your Spirit by the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord, in this land, O God. Oh, Father, we pray there be a reverence and a fear of the Lord that we grip men and women, both within your house and without, O God. Oh, Father, this morning, just speak to your hearts, Lord. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are open and tender and willing to apply your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats together. Praise the Lord. God sent this prophet, Jeremiah, in a time where there was a very much a changing world. And there were many, many voices in the day in the ministry of Jeremiah that was uh, rising up. And many were claiming to speak in the name of the Lord. And Jeremiah would come. There were other prophets at the same time that would come as they were witnessing the rise of this Babylonian kingdom. And this was rising rapidly under the sovereign purposes of God. And Jeremiah would come. And if, just for a few moments, I want to talk just bringing us up to this chapter. He would come to the house of the Lord. He would be impregnated with the voice, with the word, with the message that God had put on his heart. He knew he heard from the Lord. He knew that his message would most likely not be received. He had already, in many respects, if you like, had died to his own reputation what people were going to think of him, what, what the people would say about him, whether he would be received, whether he would be rejected. But he had already died to all of that. He just knew that he was God's messenger, as it were, and there was others. He wasn't the only one that he would come with the word of the Lord. And God would speak very clearly to Jeremiah and say to him back in chapter 26, he just simply said, Jeremiah, I want you to stand in my house. I want you to deliver. I want you to speak unto the cities of Judah that come to worship into the house of the Lord. But I want you to speak all the words that I've commanded you to speak. And then the Lord said to him, I do not want you to diminish, diminish not one word. That word diminish means I don't want you to keep back. I don't want you to lessen. I don't want you to dilute what I'm saying. It's so important that the trumpet declares a clear sound. 
It's so important that what God has to say is clearly said and said with the heart of God, said with the love of God, said with the mercy of God, but that the word of the Lord is clear in these days. And so the message was simple, but it was very profound. The, the, the word of the Lord came and Jeremiah 26 and 3 begins to say that every man should turn from his evil way. That, that, that if you turn from your way, if you turn from your goings, if you turn from your own ways, God was even saying at this late stage that I will repent of what I'm about to do. The power of repentance, the power of biblical repentance and turning the heart of God is an awesome thing. When people truly repent of their sin and turn to God, it is an awesome thing with God. When the church of Jesus Christ, five churches out of the seven, and those seven churches of Asia Minor were instructed by the Lord that they should repent. And the power of repentance is an awesome thing. It's largely a doctrine that has been diluted or diminished in many ways, not even preached in so many houses places of worship today, but there is a power in repentance. When you turn from your way, God says, I will come. And it's an awesome thing, repentance. And so we see the message comes. And he delivers them standing in the house of the Lord with the priests and the people and the elders of Israel. And God begins to remind them, I've sent prophets, I've sent messages to you. They rose up early, I've sent them, but you won't listen. You won't listen to what I'm saying. He says, then I'm going to turn this house like I did with Shiloh. I'll, I'll completely destroy this place. God's heart was, was pounding, as it were, with a plea for people to amend their ways and their doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And Jeremiah delivers his message. The people are standing in the house. And then he simply says to them, and look, look, you can see his heart, you can see. He says, now listen, you do what seemeth good and meet unto you, what you want to do with me. It matters not about what my, my reputation is, but I will deliver the word of the Lord. And you do whatever you want with me. This is a man that's dead. This is a man that's dead. He's walking, he's living, he's breathing, he's preaching, but he's already dead. He's dead to everything of himself. Now you do whatever you want with me. Did he ever get discouraged? People of God, do you ever get discouraged? You can so easily become discouraged in this world. Jeremiah said at one time, everyone mocks. And I cried out and I cried in the midst of it all. And the word of the Lord, it seemed like I'd become a reproach. And then I said, I will not even make mention of his name or speak any more in his name. But then he said these words, listen to this. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with foreburning and I could not stay for I heard the defaming of many and fear on every side. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, I believe there is a fire in the bones of God's people. The word of the Lord is burning within us. He wasn't received. And yet there were other prophets that would speak up. There was one found in Jeremiah 26, 18. His name was Micah. 
And as the congregation waited and Jeremiah delivered the word of the Lord and he says, now you do what's right to me. And they they consulted and they said to one another, what we'll do with Jeremiah is very simple. Do you know what we'll do? We'll put him to death. He's saying that there's going to be a king that comes up. There's a Babylonian kingdom coming to take this house. How dare he say that? How dare he... He preach or prophesy such things. Let's put him to death. Then Micah rises up and he says, hold on a second. But was it not so that in the days of King Hezekiah that it said that, 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 that Zion would become a plowed field? Remember, we're looking at the kings going back. And so he starts to speak and prophesy. But this has been prophesied before. And then there was another man, you find him in verse 20. His name was... Um, Urijah, the son of Shemaiah, and he began to prophesy and preach the same message that Jeremiah was preaching. And he prophesied against the city and he prophesied against the land and all of the words that Jeremiah had prophesied. And he got so afraid. He got so afraid. You know what he did? He actually ran. He took himself off to Egypt thinking that he would be safe, but the king The king, Jehoiakim, sent messengers after him, brought him back. And the king took a sword and martyred this prophet in the house of the Lord. There's a cost. There's a cost. And there will be a cost in these last days in which we're living. To be that voice. I'm not talking about being a preacher. I'm I'm talking about being that saint of God in this world, to be that light and that salt, there is going to be a cost for this. And by the grace of God, friends, not by our own strength, and by the power of the Holy Ghost, may God fill us all with the power of the Spirit of God to be that voice and that light. This is a dark world. The prophetic offense like our day are unfolding rapidly. Jeremiah said that God is purposing the rise of the kingdom of Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. You see, he said these words in Jeremiah 27, verse 3, as the message starts to go out to all the kingdoms of that world at that time. To the king of Edom, to the king of Moab, to the king of the Ammonites, verse 3, and to the king of Tarus, and to the king of Sidon, by the hand of the messengers which come to Jerusalem, Zedekiah, the king of Judah, the Lord says, verse 5, I've made the earth, the man and the beast that are upon the ground, by my great power, by mine outstretched arm, and have given it unto whom it seemed meet unto me. What's that telling us? That God sovereignly was putting kings in their places. Whoever is going to be the president of the United States on the 21st of January, God has placed them there. It looks like it will be Joe Biden. But God has put that man in his place. We have leaders here in our country. Arlene Foster and Michelle O'Neill. Whenever we think of that, God has put them in their place. By hook or by crook. However they've got there. But we must know that there's a God that is sovereign over the kingdoms of the earth. Whoever is in 10 Downing Street, God help us. But whoever is in 10 Downing Street, God has placed that man in that position. And it is God that is sovereignly permitting an antichrist system, 
a kingdom in this world that is rising at this present time. It is God that is sovereignly permitting that to happen. Why? Because he's unfolding his prophetic purposes to the glory of his son, Jesus Christ. There's something greater than what we're initially seeing. And that's the glory of the Lord and the return of Christ for his bride. We must know there's a king on the throne. And his name's Jesus. And now he says in verse 6 of Jeremiah 27, Now I've given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. He says, he's my servant. In other words, what he's saying, he is doing exactly what I purposed him to do. He's a wicked king. He's going to come. He's going to rise. But he's going to do exactly what I bid him to do. What for? For my purpose, for my glory, and for the fulfilling of my word. This is happening, friends, today. What happened in that time in Israel is so important. I want you to zoom in, if you could, for a moment. Because what arose at that time to by the deception of the enemy was false prophets and false teachers. The Lord speaks to Israel through Jeremiah in verse 9 of chapter 27 says, Hearken not to your prophets, to your diviners or your dreamers or your enchanters or your sorcerers, but speak unto you and say, You will not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie unto you to remove you from far from your land that you should that I should drive you out and that you should perish. God began to reveal to them that they had begun to put their trust in lies. They were trusting in other voices. They were trusting even in men that would come along and say, I speak in the name of the Lord, and I have a word from God. It's a prophetic word, and I'm going to tell you what it is. Friends, I want to tell you, this did not die out with the pre-Babylonian age. This is rampant in these days. And Jeremiah begins to challenge these prophets. There's, there's a profound moment in all of this. And Jeremiah, when we go through into chapter 27 here, but Jeremiah begins to challenge them. Verse 18, he says, If they're prophets and of the word of the Lord's with them, let them now make intercession to the Lord of hosts, that the vessels which are left in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah at Jerusalem will not go to Babylon. There's already initial taken away. And now Jeremiah is standing, the false prophets are there. Of course, they're not standing with a false prophet badge on. They're standing, they're claiming that they speak on behalf of God. Jeremiah is standing here, I'm here on behalf of God. And they begin to bring the word of the Lord. Can you imagine the confusion? What's the purpose of that? Is to cause confusion. Is there not confusion everywhere? Is there not fear rampant? Is there not conf- Do people know where to turn or who to turn to? I'm talking about even within the church of Jesus Christ. And then we look at a couple of these prophets. They begin to speak. And he says these words in Jeremiah 28 verse 1. Hananiah, here is a prophet. He's the son of a prophet. So he had credentials. He had history. He had, as it were, I suppose you'd say this man had, he had all the boxes ticked. He had a great CV because he was a prophet and he was the son of a prophet. So listen, he had a heritage, so he's worthy to be listened to. And Hananiah, who was a, 
was of the Gibeon, speak unto the house of the Lord and in the presence of the priests and all the people. And this is what he said, verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, He said, and thus saith the Lord. And that's what he said. Now be very careful because you'll hear that a lot. Thus saith the Lord. But you've got to test the spirits and know that that is the Lord. We've heard a lot over the years that the Spirit told me. What spirit? Their human spirit or even a demonic spirit? And this is what he said. The God of Israel said, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years I will bring again into this place all the vessels of the house of the Lord that King Nebuchadnezzar took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. Think about it for a moment. Jeremiah is coming into the house of the Lord. He's saying God is going to bring a judgment. The king of Babylon is going to rise up. You'll all be carried away and this house is going to be destroyed. Hananiah the prophet, he comes and he says, I'm the son of a prophet and I'm a prophet myself and I want you to hear the word of the Lord. This is not going to happen just like Jeremiah said. And within two years, we're going to have everything back in the house and everything's going to be well. What do you think that caused? It caused confusion amongst the people. Who's the author of confusion? The devil. Do you see it? Do you think there's any tactic at the moment in the time in which we're living that the enemy is trying to cause confusion? Listen, amongst the people of God. I've begun to love Jeremiah, by the way. Because after Hananiah finishes, I think this might be a sense of sarcasm that you'll find in Scripture. Because in verse 6, I might be wrong. The theologians can correct me. But after Hananiah finishes speaking, even the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. Amen. Jeremiah is a false prophet. I don't know what way or the context. I haven't worked it out. Someday somebody may tell me, but it's like Jeremiah is standing. All the people are here. Hananiah is coming forth with the word of the Lord. He knows he's a false prophet and he's not speaking what the Lord is. And Jeremiah says, Amen. The Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words which you prophesied to bring again the vessels of the Lord. If you're going to say, I am speaking for the Lord, then you better make sure that what you're about to speak is going to come to pass. That's how you'll know whether the prophet's true or false. It's simple, isn't it? During the election, the president's election over on the other side, I don't know where some of you have seen it, but President Trump one day went to church standing in the front row. And then there was a woman began to prophesy. She began to say, God showed me, the Lord spoke to me, that you are going to be our president. Now listen, it hasn't been the inauguration yet, and she may still be right. But on the 21st of January this year, if Joe Biden's sitting in office, I want to tell you something, friend. That was a false prophecy. And that's dangerous. Why? Because so many put their trust in her prophecy. And what it does is discredits prophecy. Them Pentecostals are nuts. They're right. But that doesn't mean there's not the real. That's what happens. Then the Holy Spirit 
and the things of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, the operation of the offices of God are discredited by false prophets and people don't believe it then when it comes. And the enemy then has taken ground into something that's so precious in the church, that gift of prophecy that God can bring into the womb of the church and bring a revelation of what he's about to do. You see what happens? Do you see the foolishness? See, what happens is people, out of their own desire, believe that to be God and so begin to speak that. But that is their own covetousness. It's their own lust. Oh, I really want Trump to stay in. I really feel, but it's their feelings. It's not their faith. But that doesn't mean there's not the prophetic ministry. And so the enemy, what does he do? He causes confusion. People don't know where to turn. Why? Because so many were saying, I'm believing in the prophetic utterance that was given in that meeting. I want to tell you, friends, we must test, test the prophetic with the word of God. We must, we must as leaders, we must test that which comes forth. We must discern the spirits. We must have a discernment in the house of God. What is being said? Friends, when someone says, the Spirit of the Lord has told me, and, and I've heard this over the years, I'm not going to be specific, but God has said something clearly in His Word, and someone then tells me that the Spirit of God has told me something that's completely contrary to the Word of God. Who penned these words? It was the Holy Ghost. And then they tell me that the Spirit has told them something different. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's so black and white, but we're living in such an early, furry world. Jeremiah says, Amen. He says, Nevertheless, verse 7 of 28, Nevertheless, hear now the word that I speak in your ears and in the ears of all the people. The prophets that have been sent before me and before thee of old prophesied, both against many countries, against the kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence, we have been prophesied to by the word of the Lord concerning the kingdoms of war, of evil, and of pestilence. We have preached Matthew 24 and 25. I would say that every person in this room could give us a message on the last days. The prophet that prophesieth peace Listen carefully. When the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord has truly sent him. As basic, what he's saying is if he's prophesied this, then whoever, whatever prophecy comes to pass, then that's the prophet. What were they saying? Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. They began to prophesy peace. They began to say everything will be well. They began to say, well, in a few months we'll be through all of this. This is going to be fine. Don't worry about it, friends. Just work your way through this. Just adapt to everything. But in a few months' time, all of this world descend presently. We're going to be okay when we get through this period of time. I pray that no one genuinely gets sick with COVID. I pray that no one dies of COVID. But COVID is a plague and it is a pestilence and it is the judgment of God and the nations of the earth. Why? Because we have turned our back on God. We have made laws that offend the holy God. We have, we have created laws that, are, that murder babies in their wombs. We have created laws that allow men to marry men and women to marry men. And then we think we're going to be okay. 
and, and the arrogance of men that stand up and say, we believe what they're saying. My God, we should be on our face and say, God, have mercy upon us. And so they begin to prophesy peace. It's going to be okay. Really? The word of the Lord doesn't say that. Men that are telling you everything's going to be fine, put your trust in this thing, put your trust in that, put your trust in this, put your trust. I tell you, my faith and my trust is in nothing else but in Jesus' blood. Nothing else. Look over 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. See the comparison or the parallel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Bible says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you for yourselves, know perfectly that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You're the children of light and the children of the day. We're not of the night. We're not of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and let us be sober. Do you see the parallel? Hananiah, this false prophet, is... Jeremiah begins to say, whoever then prophecy comes fulfilled. That's one that's false and one that's true. That makes sense. But Hananiah hadn't finished. Verse 10, he then says, then, the, then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off the prophet Jeremiah's neck. Now listen, there was a yoke on the neck of Jeremiah. That yoke was a representation of the yoke that God was about to put on the kingdoms of the earth that they would serve King Nebuchadnezzar. There was literally, there was a symbolism in what God was doing. Well, Hananiah, this is probably the first dramatized prophetic ministry ever recorded. I know there's a lot of that today. There's a lot of nonsense, most of it, to be honest. But he comes over, he gets the yoke that's on Jeremiah's neck, and he breaks that yoke. And Hananiah speak in the presence of all the people and said, Thus saith the Lord, Even so I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Isn't that profound? And all the people are standing watching. Wow. He's speaking on behalf of God. He's demonstrating what God's about to do within the space of two years. Verse 15 says, Then said the prophet Jeremiah to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hasn't sent you. But thou makest the people what? To trust a lie. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. And Jeremiah said, Listen, this year you'll die. Why? Because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. What happened? Listen carefully what happened. Verse 17, So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. This is what false prophecy does. It causes the people of God to rebel against the Lord. It's very serious. Let me tell you what the Bible says about rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Serious, isn't it? 
Hananiah wasn't on his own. There was a band of them. It seemed that the most, the majority, the majority of the false prophets, most of them were false prophets, sorry. There's another one called Ahab. There's another one called Zedekiah. They prophesied a lie in the name of the Lord. Then there was another one called Shemaiah. Chapter 29, verse 24. He was, he was one that would send letters out to the elders of Israel. Verse 25, it says, he, this is what he penned, thus, uh, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Because thou hast sent letters in my name to all of the people that are in Jerusalem, unto Sephaniah, the son of Messiah, the, the priest, unto all the priests, saying, Now, Sephaniah was the priest at that time in the house of the Lord. And this man, Shemaiah, was sending out these letters and sent them to him. And he said, The Lord hath made me. Made thee, or made thee priest in the stead of Jehoiada the priest, that you should you should be officers in officers in the house of the Lord for every man that is mad. Listen, the prophets of the Lord were called madmen. Listen, do you know what they called the Lord? They called him a madman. Friends, I want to tell you something. You might have to come to the conclusion that people will say that you're mad. You might have to come to the conclusion that say, see demons, those folks, not for the sake of it, but they're, they're nuts. That's what we would say. Every man that is mad, make himself a prophet. Thou shouldest put him in prison and stocks. Who's he talking about? He says, would you get the hold of Jeremiah? Would you actually do something about this man and these prophets? Do something. Would you put them in prison or put them in stocks? Why have you not reproved Jeremiah? which maketh himself a prophet to you. In other words, see how subtle the devil is? The devil twists everything. The devil was saying that Jeremiah is trying to make something for himself. But it wasn't Jeremiah at all, it was them. He's a twister. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. That's what he is. And they were twisting the people in their thoughts. And the people were confused and they didn't know what to say. In verse 30 came the word of the Lord to Jeremiah saying, Send to all of the captivity, thus saith the Lord concerning Shemaiah the Nehelamite, because that Shemaiah hath prophesied unto you, and I sent him not, and he caused you to trust in a lie. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will punish Shemaiah and his seed. He shall not have a man to dwell among his people, neither shall he behold the good that I will do for my people, saith the Lord. Why? Because he has taught rebellion against the Lord. I tell you, this is serious. You know, in, in the sort of charismatic world, and, and the pent, particularly charismatic and Pentecostal, I know we're in a Pentecostal church, but I have no problem saying this, that most of what goes on in the name of the Holy Spirit is not the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, friends. It is a sad day to say that. But listen very carefully. There is, if there's a counterfeit, there has to be a reality. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Have you heard that statement? Today, the confusion that's coming. I'm not talking about those that make merchandise. Those false teachers like Benny Hinn. I have no problem mentioning them. And Kenneth Copeland that are in it for the money. It's very plain to see. You don't need to go to Bible college to work. I'm not talking about them, friends. They have discredited the name of the Lord. 
It is a sad day. I say that with sadness. They must repent because they're going to stand before the throne of God. But what they've done is they've caused so much confusion and so many have risen up in the church of Jesus Christ, particularly from a traditional or evangelical background that's saying, the holy, them Pentecostals, they're all mad. And so we don't want anything to do with the Holy Ghost. We don't want anything to do with what you say is the Spirit or the power of God. Let me tell you something. I don't point you to men across in America or anywhere else in this world. I point you back into the book of Acts. And there was 120 people that were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they went down and they done wonders in the name of the Lord. And they glorified the Lord. And they were persecuted. And they were put to death. And the church of Jesus Christ was scattered. But it grew. And God was glorified. And souls were saved. And bodies were healed. It's the reality of God. So the enemy is so subtle. I'll take what's real, but I'll pollute it. I'll plant in false prophets into the church of Jesus Christ. Wolves will come in the last day, dressed in sheep's clothing, teaching damnable heresies to the church of Jesus Christ. Wake up, church of Jesus Christ! Wake up. We need the power of the Spirit of God more than ever. The church... It's not for a denomination. It's for the blood bought of Jesus Christ. God, would you empower us by your Spirit to stand on these days? Look at Matthew chapter 7, would you? Please, for a moment. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus said, Matthew 7, 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many there be which go in thereat. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening or ravening wolves. Look over into Matthew chapter 24, please. The parallel, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 8. Jesus said concerning these things in the last days, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. What is that? Remember again, it's a period of time in the earth where there is great pangs. Like a woman going into travail, the earth will be like a woman going into travail, great pains upon the earth. Great turmoil on the earth. Can you see where we are? Listen, saved and lost, can you see where we are? Can you see it? Can you see we're there? Can you actually see it, church? Can you see it this morning? They shall deliver you to be afflicted. They shall kill you. Ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. They hate the name of Jesus. I tell you, they hate. There's one particular radio presenter. May God save him. But I tell you something, friends. He hates Christians. In this country, he hates Christians. He hates believers. Pray that God saves him. I mean that. Pray that God will save him. Hell's a long, hell's an awful place, and you're there a long time. Pray that God has mercy. He's no friend. I tell you, thank God that God can save enemies of the cross. Didn't he not save Saul? 
Many shall be offended. Many shall betray one another. Many shall hate one another. Do you see where we are? Church, listen. Emma prayed it this morning. I want to tell you that devil wants to wreak havoc in the church of Jesus Christ. He wants us divided. He wants us confused. He wants us turning against each other. Oh, I tell you, he's, he's at his work. He's at his work. But if we're awake, we'll not let him in. Verse 11 says, And many, this is what Jesus said, Many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive. What does it say? Many. Is that alarming? Should that be alarming? Is this things that we have read and we read over them and read over them and preach them and preach them and preach them, but then the reality of them, because we're so familiar with them, they don't have any effect on us anymore? Many are going to be deceived. Many. didn't say a few. It said many. Because there's many. Why? Because there's many false prophets that are pouring in deception to the church of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel preachers. I'm bringing this away closer to home. Because it's easy to point that out. But they'll appear as sheep. But inside there's something different. That's what Jesus said. That's what the Bible says. They're not going to walk in dressed as a wolf, pointing a tail and everything else, big teeth, and come and eat you up. They're going to come in and they'll, they'll just look like you and they'll look like me. They'll just look like Hannah and I. They'll look like, and they'll say, we have the word of the Lord. We have the word of the Lord. Really? Why, he looks apart. Where are you from? Well, my dad was a preacher. And my dad's dad was a preacher. And I've been in the Pentecostal church all my life. And I went to Bible school. And I went through the college. And I can speak Hebrew. And I can speak Greek. And I can speak all the different languages. Fair play. Boy, we must listen to him. Is that right? Really? Are we so bound in religion and death? Are we so bound in tradition? Are we so shallow in our thought and our thinking? Are we so distant from reading the Word of God that we don't have the ability to test the spirits and know? Are we so cold in heart? Friends, it's going to take more than our church our church attendance. It's going to take more than just, just a few songs and a Sunday and a wee message. We're going to have to walk in the Spirit. We're going to have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. We're going to have to be covered in the blood. We're going to have to be full and running over. Many will rise and deceive many. Iniquity shall abound. The love of many will wax cold. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, but he that shall endure to the end, shall the same shall be saved. And the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached in the world for a witness to all nations. And then the end is coming. I want to tell you something. There's an end. I want to say this again. There's an end. Are you hearing me this morning? There's an end. Young person, there's an end to this. Older person, there's an end. Jeremiah said, A wonderful and a horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests bear rule by their means. And the people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? Do you know what? They wanted to hear a false message. They were happy with a wee story on a Sunday. 
a wee tickle your ear thing and just send you on your way and everybody's happy. And we've got a new preacher next week. He's so funny. He tells two jokes at the start, gets you all relaxed, brings you in, does a wee three-pointer, pats you on the back, say, see you next week. I want to tell you, friends, it's going to take more than that. But he's so funny. See our new minister? He's so funny. Really? Really? How we become so indifferent, so cold. Our, our, our spiritual antenna is no longer raised to be able to discern because we're not in God's word. We're not reading the word of God. We're not seeking the Lord. We're not in prayer. In our prayer. We're not waiting on the Lord. We're not hearing from the Lord. I know, but you know, he's so good. He's great with the kids. He makes them laugh. He can tickle them, brings them sweets. and everything. Well, that's all right. That's fine to do. But listen, is the word of the Lord being preached? Friends, it's so sad. It's so sad when leading figures in this country sit down and begin to give us a message. And there's no difference from their message to the message that you're going to hear in the steps of Stormont. I want to tell you something. That's a sad thing. Why? Because we should speak with a voice that brings the hope and the answer to this nation. Know what it is? It's Jesus Christ. Friends, I don't say that this morning to criticize. I say that because, my God, it would break your heart. We have a voice. You have a voice. But it shouldn't be the same as what they're saying. We should be speaking something different. Not in denial, but saying there's a hope in this. There's an answer in this. Our nation's plummeting deeper and deeper into sin. Why? We have forsaken God. We have turned from God. We have turned our backs on God. We want to just have our religious services. But oh, we'll turn our back on God. No, we need to be on our faces before God. And what did God say to Israel to do? Nebuchadnezzar's coming. The kingdoms will bow down to him. Judgment will fall upon the land. Doesn't sound good, sure doesn't. I mean, it's not really the message you want Sunday morning, especially before Christmas. We were hoping for something different. It's the message we need to hear. God begins to speak. What are we to do? When there's a kingdom that's rising rapidly, friends, I want to tell you something. It is shocking how fast this is moving. If you don't see that the undercurrent of this is moving so fast, the kingdom of the Antichrist is rising so rapidly. The Bible tells us this. People say, why are you preaching that? Why, 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 why preach this here? Why not just leave people alone? Let them just go through life. Let them just enjoy themselves. Let, let, don't, don't disturb the nest, whatever you do. Let us just have a wee bit of church and get on with our life. My God, we're about to see the King of glory. And what did God say to Israel when Nebuchadnezzar's rising up and he's coming? The judgment's going to fall in the land. What did he say to them? What do you think he would say? What's the natural mind say? 
Natural man would say, well, here, batten down the hatches. Lock yourself up, hide away. What are you going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. Just run up into my bedroom, lock the door and say, oh, no. Find a wee corner under the stairs. Build a tribulation hut. Jump into it and hide. I want to show you what God said in Jeremiah 29 and verse 4. Ezra Mason. Jeremiah 29. This is what the word of the Lord said. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. This is what he said. I want you to build houses. I want you to dwell in them. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to eat the fruit of them. Listen, I want you to get married. Amen, Fiona. I want you to get married. You said, yeah, so I'm getting back to you. Yeah, I want you to get married. That's what the Lord said. Hey, all things are possible. Would you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. We're believing it. Build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat the fruit of them, take ye wives, get sons, get daughters, have babies, multiply, increase. God wants us to build, not run. God wants us to plant, not die. God wants us to multiply, not hide away. God wants us to increase. What? It's lockdown. It's the worst one yet. First week's going to be the worst. My God, friends, I tell you, this is the opportunity for the church. Thank God for that outrage on Friday nights. Thank God for souls getting saved. Thank God that we're going to end the highways and the byways. Thank God we're going to increase. We're not going to decrease. The church is being blessed. Why? Because we're making a stand for God. Have sons. Oh, we want sons and daughters, don't we? Physically, spiritually, this is all spiritual. Build, plant. You can have more sons and daughters. I'm not looking at any. I'm actually going to look up. Okay, the pastor said. In the next four weeks, everyone's pregnant. He wants us to increase. He wants us to have more care. I'm not looking, Marguerite. I'm looking at you. No, not because of you. I'm just looking at you. God wants us to increase. Do you know, Victoria told me there's a campaign. Listen, there's a campaign. Do you know what? This would make you cross. I don't know why you ever get cross, but I do get cross. This would make you cross. There's a campaign. And they're putting posters up. Discouraging people from having children to save the planet. You, you think about Now think about that. There's a woman in California, 26-year-old, went and got herself sterilized because she doesn't want to have kids so she can save the planet. I want to tell you something. This might seem extreme to you, but that's demonic. That's nothing to do with the climate. See that climate, them people that stick themselves to buses, hug trees, not our Jack, he cuts them down. But, <laughs> but just see these people. He's, that's my boy. I'm proud of him. <laughs> Take them down. That's it. I started out pulling trees down. That was for bonfires. And he's pulling them down. But they say that a child, listen, this is how ridiculous it is. This is ridiculous, honestly. We you know people are falling for this nonsense. They say that one kid produces 58.6 tons of carbon. They haven't come to my house. So that's enough reason. Not to have a baby. 
You, you, no, this is the world where they call us mad. They call us crazy. I want to tell you something, friends. Those children are the heritage of the Lord. I want to tell you something, friends. Them kids are a blessing. They're a gift. While they're trying to butcher them in the womb, or they're trying to get women to sterilize themselves, not to have any babies. Let me tell you something. May God blesses and increases, both physically and spiritually. It's not over yet, Brent. <laughs> oh, he's panicking. <laughs> He said, take wives for your sons. He wants your sons to have wives, your daughters to have husbands. They that bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. And then he said, seek peace in the city where you, I've caused you to be carried away captives. Pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof you shall have peace. A profound. What we have to do? We have to pray for the peace of Belfast. Pray for the peace of Balnehinch. We have to pray for the peace of the nations. We are pilgrims. These places are not our homes. We are passing through this, but we're going home soon. But see, if we pray for peace here, then it will be peace unto you. Pray for the peace of the nations. Pray for the peace of the cities. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for God's peace. God's peace. Not man's peace. We've got a phony peace filled with lies. And injustice. And that's why we have the government we have. The worst on the planet. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, let not your prophets, your diviners that are in the midst of you, deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams, which ye have been caused to dream. Why? For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, there is a time after 70 years that are accomplished I will visit you. I will perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Awesome. And then we have some very well-known scriptures. This is the context of them now. Verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me and shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Ye shall seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations of the world and from places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place which I have caused you to be carried away. Isn't God amazing? His word would be performed. His timing would be perfect when God is going to visit his people again. There's a visitation of God. Not in Hananiah's time, but in God's time. There's a visitation of the Lord. He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you. It's not of evil, but God is coming to give his people an expected end. What's that end? Our end is the hope that we have that the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the earth. That's a hope this morning. The Lord speak, and we know this is particular to Israel. He says in verse, chapter 30, verse 10, I'm closing in a few moments, folks. If you just bear with me, I know it's 
long, but I couldn't. I tried to ask the Lord where can I cut it, and I couldn't. And I couldn't divide it, so I have to preach it all. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, thirty and verse three, that I'll bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah. I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they, isn't it awesome, shall possess it. Do you know this is happening physically and spiritually? In their thousands, Jews are from all over the world in unbelief are returning to Israel. And they don't know why, many of them, why they're coming back. But God knows. And these are the words of the Lord. Speak concerning Israel, concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling and of fear and of not peace. God's heard something. And he's going to respond. God's going to respond to that. He talks in verse 7 of a very particular time. It would take another message. But I do want to mention it. He says, alas, for the great, that, that, that day is great. There's a time, he said, it's great, and there's none like it. This is known as the tribulation period on the earth. It's known in the Old Testament as the time of Jacob's trouble. It's a period of time where there's great, ter- there's a day, and there's never been a day like it. Now, you know, personally, I believe, I believe and I, I know there's others have different beliefs, and I respect that. It's not a point of division. It's a healthy thing to have diversity. I believe that the church goes through the tribulation. You may not believe that. I respect that. But I see that the church enter into that for how long? I believe it's the whole time. But, I, you know, ultimately there's a lot of it's going to be wrong at some points. I'm happy enough to be wrong when I'm standing looking at the Lord, by the way. But there's a Jacob's trouble. But then the Bible says he'll be saved out of it. That means he has to be in it to be saved out of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then the Lord begins to speak. I'm getting there and I want you to listen. I'm with thee, saith the Lord. Verse 11, I'll save you. Though I make a full end of the nations, whether I have scattered thee yet, I'll not make a full end of thee. But I will correct thee in measure. I will not leave thee altogether unpunished. For thus saith the Lord. Listen carefully. Saint this morning. I want to personalize this. Your bruise is incurable. Your wound is grievous. No one pleads your cause. That thou mayest be bound up. Thou hast no healing medicines. All thy lovers have forsaken thee. They seek thee not, for I have wounded thee with the wound of an enemy, with chastisement of a cruel one, for the multitude of your iniquity, because your sins were increased. Why criest thou for thine affliction? Thy sorrow is incurable, the multitude of thine iniquity, because their sins were increased. I have done these things. The devourer is, the devourer is devouring you. Someone sitting here this morning, you're crippled inside. On the outside, everything looks fine. But on the inside, there's an incurable wound. There's a deep-rooted wound in your heart and in your life. There's a chastisement that's as though you're saying, has everyone forsaken me? And God begins to speak and say, listen, I will restore health unto thee. 
I will heal your wounds, saith the Lord. They've called you an outcast. They said, this is Zion that no one seeks after. Thus saith the Lord, I will bring again the captivity of Jacob's tents. Have mercy on his dwelling places. And the city shall be builded upon her own heap. And a palace shall remain after the manner thereof. And he says these words, the fierce anger of the Lord, verse 24, shall not return until he have done it and until he have performed the intents of his heart. This is the intention of God. And he says, in the latter days, you will consider this. You're going to think about it. I want to tell you, I've been thinking about this all week. Actually, these words, there's words here that have been in me for about six weeks that I can't shake them off. Every morning I wake up and I have these words They're going through me constantly every day, every day. And I know that God is burning them with inside me for a purpose. In our reading, he says, hear the word of the Lord. He wants us to hear it. Hear the word of the Lord, ye nations, and declare it in the eyes of far off and say, he that scattereth Israel, what will he do? He's going to gather. Why? Because he's a shepherd. He'll gather them and keep them as a shepherd doth his flock. The Lord hath redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob, verse 11, and ransomed him. Verse 12, therefore shall they come and sing in the height of Zion. They shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord for wheat, for wine, for oil, for the young of the flock, for the herd. Their soul is going to be like a watered garden. What are we talking about here? We're talking about a day where there's a great return. This is what it is. It's a great return. The church and Israel, we see it, God, working supernaturally, a sovereign plan to be unfolded. He's going to gather his people in. He's going to cause them to rejoice. He's going to cause them to sing for the goodness of the Lord. There's wheat and there's wine and there's oil. There's a flowing of the Holy Ghost. There's the power of God. There's healing in His house. There's deliverance in His house. There's victory in His house. He gathers His people. He makes His church ready. They come with a song in their hearts. They'll not sorrow anymore. The virgin is going to rejoice in the dance. Old men will dance. Young men will dance. My God, we're going to see the king of glory. I will turn your mourning into joy. I will comfort them. I will make them to rejoice. What from? From their sorrow. They've been overcome with sorrow. They've been overcome in a place where they can't lift their heads. They've been downcast. They've been downtrodden. They've been in a place of of despair and death. And God says, I'll come. I'll gather you. And I'll turn your mourning into dancing. I'll turn your sorrow into joy. I'll make you fat. Praise the Lord. He's going to make us fat in the spirit. And my people will be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. They're going to come again and they're going to sing. I want to tell you, friends, we are in, as it were, we are in, listen to me this morning, we are in the home straight. We have turned the last bend. 
I believe we turned it long ago. We have turned that last bend. And there's a finishing line. And I want to say this this morning to every believer. Run this race. Fight this fight. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep running. Stay in your lane. But keep running. And look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He's coming for a revived church. He's coming for a church that's filled with the oil and the wine and the wheat. He's coming for a people that are rejoicing in their Savior. He's coming for a people that are gathered in. Friends, we are on the home run. Are you in the race? Are you in the fight? And what fight are you fighting? What fight are you fighting? Fight this good fight. God's gathering his people in. He's gathering them in. I tell you, friends, it's going to be an awesome day when Jesus comes. Are you ready? Are you ready? Keep your eyes on the prize. He's coming soon.